What's happening, everybody? Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter, fueled as always by the incredible folks at Nerd Tees, and welcome to what will be the first of many mock drafts for the upcoming 2021 NFL Entry Draft. Now, the Entry Draft will be taking place in just over a month's time from now. We are just on the doorstep of free agency, which I believe that period opens up on Wednesday. We are at the tail end of what has been dubbed uh, a lot lately in sports media as a massacre week. A lot of people in the NFL being cut who you never thought would get cut. But look, the salary cap situation is what it is. It's fallen down to $182.5 million, and tough decisions need to be made all across the league. But that's not what we're here to talk about. We are here to talk about the next generation. We are here to talk about the incoming class of young professionals into the National Football League. Like I say, that's going to take place in just over a month from now, and we're going to have multiple mock drafts on this channel. This very first one today, I'm taking this quite as simply as I knew how to do it. Everyone who is picking in their current draft position will be making that pick in this draft. There will be no trades. There will be no movement of picks. I'm basing this very much on not only where the teams are picking right now, but very much based on need, based on how they performed last season. It's a results-based business. A lot of teams did well last year. A lot of teams did not. So I'm very much basing this first mock draft on immediately addressing needs that showed themselves to be ever-present for these teams last year. Before we launch forward on this 1.0 mock draft for the 2021 NFL Entry Draft, I do have to take the opportunity to let you know that NerdTease.ca is my great friend. NerdTease.ca is my great sponsor. And if you go to NerdTease.ca and use my promo code BWFINEST, you are going to save yourself 15% at checkout. You are also going to get free shipping in Canada on any order over $100, which is an excellent, excellent deal. Today's blend is a tea that I'm recently just learning to appreciate as a very nice after dinner complimentary tea, and that is blueberry. It is very quickly shooting up the ranks among my favorite teas available on nerdteas.ca, but there are literally dozens and dozens of incredible tea blends that are available on that website. Green teas, black teas, orange teas, white teas, matcha teas, all kinds of teas, but you'll never get teased on nerdteas.ca. Use that promo code BWFINEST, save your 15%, get your free shipping, find yourself something to love, or find someone you love something to love. You can do it on nerdtease.ca. And of course, as I've been speaking of multiple, multiple times this year, I also have an affiliation with the Dynasty Trade Calculator, which may be more relevant to you as a football fan. The Dynasty Trade Calculator is among the greatest resources online when it comes to Dynasty, Keeper, and long-term fantasy football. You're finding trade evaluations, player rankings, podcasts, the whole shebang. It does not matter how your Keeper or Dynasty League is arranged. The Dynasty Trade Calculator has you covered. In the description to this video, you're going to find my affiliate link to the Dynasty Trade Calculator. Head on over to the Dynasty Trade Calculator through that link. Plans beginning as little as $3 to get access to the best resource, or certainly among the best resources, online for Dynasty, Keeper, and long-term fantasy football. And I got the championships to back it up. So, without further ado, let's dive right into my Mock Draft 1.0 for the 2021 NFL Entry Draft. Once again, no pick trading in this Mock Draft at all. Everybody is picking where they are currently picking, and in subsequent Mock Drafts, we'll start to incorporate some trades. There are certainly some teams that I feel very strongly about them moving up or down the draft, but that's for the future. Let's dive right in with the Jacksonville Jaguars who hold all the cards, the number one overall pick in this upcoming draft, and we're not going to put too much thought into it. I would be very surprised at this point, honestly, if they don't already have a card drawn up with Trevor Lawrence's name on it. The Jacksonville Jaguars will select quarterback Trevor Lawrence out of Clemson, a junior out of Clemson, 6'6", 220, 
the dude looks like he's been chiseled out of granite. Like he looks exactly like what you would think like the all American boy NFL quarterback would look like. He looks like Trevor Lawrence. I think Trevor Lawrence is the one and only sure thing in this draft, certainly at the quarterback position. I have at least some questions about everybody else. I don't really have those questions about Trevor Lawrence. I guess I would only have to question the team that will be around him in Jacksonville. He's the most NFL-ready quarterback that is in this class. Trevor Lawrence from Clemson goes number one. And not a lot of thought really to put into the number two overall pick either. That's held by the New York Jets. I think they're going to go quarterback here, certainly if they didn't have the option to move the pick. And I think Zach Wilson is the pick. Quarterback out of BYU, 6'3", 210 pounds. A junior, of course, out of BYU. Zach Wilson kind of leapfrogged Justin Fields uh, later on in this past season, a lot of people were looking at Justin Fields like he was going to be the number two overall guy. Uh, Zach Wilson, on most mock drafts anyway, seems to have leapfrogged Justin Fields. We are going to go Zach Wilson to the New York Jets at number two. So now that we have the two, I guess what you would deem obvious picks out of the way, things kind of start to get interesting at number three, where you have the Miami Dolphins by virtue of, I believe, the Laramie Tunzel trade. This is Houston's pick, and this is worst case scenario for Houston, because not only do they not have a first round pick, but the pick that they sent away, the number three overall pick in the draft. Imagine how much that could help that new management group down in Houston to try to get this thing turned around and maybe convinced Deshaun Watson to stay. Don't think that was going to be the case one way or the other, but they don't even have the opportunity because, of course, this pick belongs to the Dolphins. In most statistical senses, the Dolphins were a relatively average team last year. They struggled a little bit in relative terms defending the pass. I don't really think they can address that without significantly reaching here with the number three pick. And taking a look at the players who are probably out the door, the only real significant one I would say is left tackle Julian Davenport. They probably have the money to re-sign him, so I don't think they go there either. I think this is a situation where the Dolphins should take the best player available. And as far as I'm concerned, best player available is a six foot tall, 208 pound wide receiver, a junior out of LSU. That is Jamar Chase. A lot of people have talked about, obviously, Jamar Chase versus Jalen Waddell versus Devonta Smith here in this sort of triumvirate of the best wide receiver prospects. Jamar Chase, I think, has separated himself from the pack here. I think he's the best wide receiver available. What a dynamic weapon that they will be able to add down there in Miami. Again, I don't think they can address their most pressing needs. Go with the best player available. Jamar Chase goes to the Dolphins. The Atlanta Falcons are up next at number four. And this is the pick where I think I'm going to make some people mad. And I can't wait to do so. So the Atlanta Falcons were really good at throwing the football last year. The number five pass offense in the NFL. They were also relatively good at defending the run. They were a top 10 run defense last year. Now, Atlanta's in one of these positions where they are in cap hell. They have no money whatsoever to try and re-sign the players that they have potentially going out the door. This includes Alex Mack on the offensive line, Todd Gurley at running back, and we'll get into their run game. Uh, and then DeMonte Kazee and Keanu Neal, who I believe were their two starting safeties last year. They don't really have the money to re-sign any of these guys. And what they didn't do well, they did two things tremendously not well on the offensive side of the ball. That was run the football and protect their quarterback. Matt Ryan took as many sacks as almost anybody else in the NFL last year, and the Falcons the number 27 run offense in football last year. Now, look, right now, I think the only running back of any kind of caliber in the NFL is Ido Smith on their roster. They can't really address that. I don't think they can address the fact that they had an absolutely atrocious pass defense last year it was literally the worst pass defense in the league and they've got their two starting safeties going out the door but with the number four pick it would be such a reach for them to try and address that as a specific need what makes them better is protecting their quarterback and trying to establish a run game do you know where you do that you do that on the offensive line 
There are so many people calling for a new quarterback in Atlanta. And I'll tell you one thing right off the top. A new quarterback in Atlanta does not make the Atlanta Falcons any better. And it's not like a case last year with Green Bay where this was a good team trying to get over the hump. But the way you try to make this bad football team at least a little bit better is protecting your quarterback, who again, even though he got no protection, still the top five pass offense in football, and trying to establish something of a run game. You do that on the offensive line. The Atlanta Falcons at number four overall, I have them taking Penny Sewell from Oregon. Offensive lineman, six foot six, 330 pounds. I think he can play interior or exterior. A lot of people have described him as a marginal upgrade over the tackles that the Falcons have right now. But a marginal upgrade, any upgrade is better than what the Falcons were last year. A lot of people are not going to like it. Penny Sewell goes number four to the Falcons. Bengals up next at number five, and even though two of the three most significant outgoing free agents are on the defensive side of the ball, once again, I just feel like it's a little bit of a stretch here with a top five pick to reach and try to grab somebody on the defensive side. This Cincinnati Bengals team was bad all across the board. The only thing they did marginally well was defend against the pass. They were the 19th overall pass defense in football. That's not terrible. Of course, they had to suffer from Joe Burrow getting injured last year, missing some games. I'm looking at the next most dynamic playmaker that I see on this board. And as far as I'm concerned, it's tight end Kyle Pitts coming out of Florida. 6'6", 240. He runs great routes. He has a big catch radius. This is a guy that they can use in all kinds of interesting ways. It's another weapon for Joe Burrow, but it's a short range weapon. Joe Burrow, accurate on only 17% of his deep passes in 2020 in the games that he played. That's not good enough. That's not good enough at the college level. That wouldn't be good enough at the NFL level. And it wasn't. But if you give him those shorter weapons, that's what Kyle Pitts can be. Kyle Pitts can be that 5 to 12 yard weapon at the tight end position. You can move him out wide if you want to. He's one of the most dynamic offensive pieces in this draft. The Cincinnati Bengals grab Kyle Pitts at number 5. Philadelphia Eagles are up next here at number six. And of course, they had the absolutely abysmal, abysmal pass offense last year, leading to the Carson Wentz trade out of town. He goes up to Indianapolis as a cap casualty. They may be losing both Jason Peters and Jalen Mills. But Philadelphia's biggest concern, again, it's that pass offense. Philadelphia can run the football. The defense across the board is all right. It wouldn't be a crazy stretch to go defense on this pick, but I think Philadelphia grabs a weapon. If it is Jalen Hurts' team, which is what at least it looks like right now, let's give him some weapons to go with. And with a guy like Kyle Pitts off the board, I think Kyle Pitts would have been a good fit here as well. We're going to have the Eagles grab a wide receiver of the future. And that wide receiver to me is Devonta Smith, wide receiver, out of Alabama, 6'1", 175, a senior out of Alabama, very experienced college player, probably the third best wide receiver in the draft. So we are skipping over a guy that a lot of people would probably rank ahead of Devonta Smith, but I'm going to lean on the size aspect here, bigger catch radius. I want a guy like Devonta Smith for my young quarterback to develop that chemistry with. I'm going to grab Devonta Smith on behalf of the Philadelphia Eagles at number six. Detroit Lions are up next at number seven with a lot of offensive talent probably on its way out the door in free agency. You're talking about Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones, Danny Amendola is probably out the door. Also, Ode Abushi on the offensive line. They're losing a good defensive end in Romeo Okara. And of course, they made waves earlier this year with the Jared Goff, Matt Stafford trade, bringing in Goff, sending Stafford to the Rams. Now, in terms of things this team did very poorly last year, it was A, run the ball, but they've kind of got that covered with DeAndre Swift. I think he's only going to get better. And the other really bad thing that they did was everything on the defensive side of the football. 
absolutely everything. They were not good in any sense of the word defensively. So despite all that incredible outgoing offensive talent, I'm going to have Detroit and Motor City Dan Campbell grab themselves a Michigan player. On the defensive line, it is D-lineman Quiddy Pay from Michigan. Quiddy Pay, 6'4", 272, a senior on the defensive line from Michigan. A big, bullying player on the defensive line. Exactly the kind of player that I think Dan Campbell is going to make it a point of filling his team with as much as humanly possible. Just feels like a great fit here for Detroit. Make their pass rush much more dangerous. Hopefully improve their offense, sorry, their defense across the board. They're going to grab Quidi Pay at number seven. The number eight pick belongs to the Carolina Panthers, a team that I would call the model of middle of the road from last season. You would have expected their rush offense to be a little better than 21st in the league, but Christian McCaffrey only played, what was that, I believe two games last year, so it's a little bit understandable. They've got some notable people who potentially hitting the free agent market, including Curtis Samuel, Russell Okung at left tackle, and Mike Davis, who played a lot of really good reps for them at running back this year. Carolina was kind of a best player available philosophy for me, but there's just so many people now who are calling for the quarterback of the future. And I think in a lot of cases when teams in subsequent mock drafts will have the ability to trade up and down, Carolina will probably have to make a move from eight if they want to address that position, that being the quarterback position. But I'm going to have them address it in this one. Justin Fields, quarterback from Ohio State, 6'3", 228, a junior from Ohio State. I've got Justin Fields going to Carolina at number eight in this mock. And once again, feels like a great time to remind you, this is a mock draft predicated on not being able to make trades. So I'm not necessarily saying... Justin Fields is going to fall to the eighth overall pick. What I'm saying is the teams right now that sit up ahead are probably not going to take a Justin Fields because they're probably not going to feel like they need him. So Carolina, I've got Fields going to Carolina at eight. The number nine pick belongs to a Denver Broncos team who has already cut ties with Jarrell Casey on the defensive line. They may also be losing Shelby Harris on the defensive line and DeMar Dotson at right tackle. Broncos, fairly good defense last year. They struggled defending against the run. The pass offense was not very good. But then again, Cortland Sutton was out most of the year. Jerry Judy had some injury issues as well. This is a good offense, or at least a roster with good offensive pieces other than the quarterback. And of course, you can, we can have the Drew Locke conversation. I feel like Drew Locke's leash is going to be probably at least one more year. And I don't think Denver fixes that by trying to draft a quarterback. Like Trey Lance is still on the board here, but I don't think that is quite the way to go. Instead, I think Denver's going to attack the fact that they were the number 25 run defense in football last year. I think they're going to go in their front seven, and I'm looking at linebacker Micah Parsons from Penn State. Now, obviously, Parsons comes with some off-the-field baggage that, of course, will have to be dealt with, at least internally, with the Broncos. But look, 6'3", 245, he's probably the best linebacker on the board here, a junior from Penn State. He's a big body. He can play in the secondary if he needs to. He can really come up and stuff that run. I feel like he's exactly the kind of defender that the Broncos need. So we are going to have the Broncos at 9 grab linebacker Micah Parsons. And we round out the top 10 here with the Dallas Cowboys. This was one of the easier picks for me. Defensively, the Cowboys were really bad last year. Now, the one thing that they were able to do a little bit was defend against the pass. They were almost a top 10 pass defense statistically last year. But you take a look at the outgoing players. Andy Dalton and Alden Smith would be the two players that would headline the outgoing. I mean, Andy Dalton, not really that big of a deal after they finally finally broke off Dak Prescott. Alden Smith would be a loss certainly on the defensive side. But this just felt like a very easy pick for me. 
look, if you're Dallas, I think from this position, you can't really improve the biggest area of need, which was run defense last year, especially with a guy like Micah Parsons going right out in front of you. So double down on what made you good. And what made you good on the defensive side was the secondary. I've got the Dallas Cowboys selecting Caleb Farley, cornerback from Virginia Tech. Got him going 10th overall. 6'2", 207, a junior from Virginia Tech. I think he's got all the tools to really make an impact right away at the NFL level in the secondary for the Dallas Cowboys. The Cowboys secondary could be really, really good next year. Caleb Farley would contribute to that. New York Giants are next up here at pick number 11, and quite simply, the absolute worst part of their game last year was in the receiving core. They had just didn't have enough weapons for a guy like Daniel Jones, and Daniel Jones just simply right now at this point in his career did not have the talent to propel that team all by himself. You need dogs in that offense. The Giants simply did not have them. And in this offseason, they've already cut bait with Golden Tate at the wide receiver position and also guard Kevin Zeitler. Wayne Gallman is probably gone in free agency. They're probably going to lose one of either Dalvin Tomlinson or Austin Johnson on the D-line. But the biggest way for the Giants to address the fact that they were only the number 29 pass offense in football It's not by replacing Daniel Jones. I think Daniel Jones has a bit of a longer leash than that, but you got to get him some weapons, especially without Golden Tate. Time to draft Golden Tate's replacement, and that is exactly what we are going to do for the New York Giants at number 11 overall. We're going to have them take wide receiver Jalen Waddell from Alabama. Waddell, 5'10", 182, bit of an undersized receiver, a junior out of Alabama, but he is a speedster. He can take the tops off of defenses. He's got good hands, pretty good catch radius for his size. I like Jalen Waddell here at number 11. Multiple other mock drafts have liked Waddell at number 11 here as well. We're not going to put too much more thought into it and go with Waddell at 11. At number 12 here, we have the San Francisco 49ers with a laundry list of important outgoing players on both sides of the football. Probably a little more on the defensive side than on the offensive side, but still a lot of players on their way out of San Francisco or potentially on their way out of San Francisco. This was a fairly decent team. Like the offense was kind of average, but the defense was quite good statistically for the Niners last year. So I think the Niners can better compensate for their defensive losses than their offensive ones. But this was very much a philosophy of best player available when it came to the 49ers. And if the decision is going to be to stick with Jimmy Garoppolo And I'll preface that by saying, I think the Niners could be a sneaky team in the quarterback market on draft day. Keep your eyes open for a potential move by the 49ers. I'm not necessarily tipping my hat for later mock drafts, but who knows, maybe I might be. Keep an eye on the 49ers when it comes to the quarterback market. I could have had them take Trey Lance here. But I think it's better for the Niners if they are going to go with Jimmy Garoppolo. It seems like Garoppolo's their guy for at least one more year, even though the four years of that experiment up to this point have not exactly panned out the greatest. I think they go on the offensive line. They know their bread and butter is running the football, run the ball, protect your quarterback. I think they go O-lineman here. And I'm going to go Christian Derrissaw from uh, Virginia Tech. Derrissaw is a junior, 6'5", 314 from Virginia Tech, a real big body. I think plays more on the interior, if I remember correctly, but either way, can kind of go anywhere on that offensive line, provide better protection for Garoppolo, who at this point, we have to call him an injury concern, and it's going to help them run the ball that much better. So we're going to go Christian Derrissaw from Virginia Tech at 12 to the Niners. Next up is the Chargers at 13, and actually very similar situation to the Niners. A pretty good list of players on the way out the door. Hunter Henry has already been given his release, so he's going to be looking for a new home in free agency. But they're losing important players on the offense. Mike Pouncey up the middle at center, and on the defense potentially, Melvin Ingram and Denzel Perriman, big names that could be hitting free agency. 
I do think the Chargers do have the money to retain at least some of these players. Their big struggle last year was running the ball and defending against the run. In both cases, they were number 18 overall in the league. So they could go a couple of different ways here, but I've got them actually following the coattails of the pick ahead of them. I've got them going offensive line as well. And I got the Chargers going with Rashawn Slater out of Northwestern. Rashawn Slater, 6'4", 315, a senior out of Northwestern. Experienced player, even though he is young. That is going to provide a big boost for the Chargers attempting to run the football with Austin Eckler back there. Provide better protection for that young stud quarterback in Justin Herbert. We could have a top five, top 10 quarterback perennial on our hands with an excellent offensive lineman. So let's grab Rashawn Slater at 13. Here comes another pick that I don't know if it's going to go over very well, but we're going to talk about it. Let's figure it out. The Minnesota Vikings picking at number 14. This was the number four total offense in the NFL last year, mostly propelled, of course, by Dalvin Cook in the run game. They have already cut ties this offseason with Kyle Rudolph and Riley Reef at tackle. They could potentially be losing Rashad Hill, potentially losing Brett Jones. So there are losses that could potentially be coming on that Vikings offensive line. However, they just watched Christian Derrissaw and Rashawn Slater go the two picks ahead of them. I think if they had their way in this and maybe were able to trade, they may try to move up ahead of those teams in order to try to get a, one of those two guys. In the absence of that, they're publicly looking to move Kirk Cousins, or at the very least, they're answering phone calls on Kirk Cousins. Is it potentially time that the Minnesota Vikings, now with a stud wide receiver in Justin Jefferson, with a perennial great wide receiver in Adam Thielen, hopefully they hold on to him for as long as possible, with weapons on that offense, is it now time to move to the quarterback of the future? I say yes, and at number 14, I've got the Vikings drafting Trey Lance, sophomore quarterback, 6'4", 226, out of North Dakota State. Lance has a good arm on him. He's going to certainly walk into a Minnesota situation where he's got weapons. He can sit behind a veteran for a couple of years, learn the offense, learn what it takes to be a pro. couple of years, Trey Lance is your starting quarterback in Minnesota. I think that would help. I know somebody mentioned this in a, a draft mock draft that I watched earlier today. I believe what the drive from North Dakota to Minnesota, relatively short, may help them bring in some more local fans. In any case, I think Trey Lance goes to Minnesota at 14. Bill Belichick and the Patriots are up next at the 15th overall pick, having just re-signed Cam Newton this morning to a new one-year deal. Cam Newton will be the quarterback next year. I certainly contemplated if I didn't send Trey Lance to Minnesota, potentially sending Trey Lance to New England as their quarterback of the future. But in the absence of that, I don't have them reaching for another quarterback, despite the fact that they were the number 30 pass offense in football. No, instead, I'm going to have them address the fact that they were only the number 26 run defense in the NFL last year. Also looking at the fact that they could very well be losing Lawrence Guy as defensive tackle. That's only going to hurt that even more. Now, yes, it is also possible that they're going to be losing Joe Thune, David Andrews, and Jermaine Illuminor on the offensive line. So an offensive lineman here could have been a possibility as well. Still felt like a little bit of a stretch. Felt good for me here to grab linebacker Aziz Ojulari out of Georgia. Ojulari, 6'3", 240, a sophomore linebacker from Georgia. I think he... It improves this defense much better than a pick of an offensive lineman would help the offense. Just because I think New England will probably have the money to bring back Thune, probably have the money, they'll find the money anyway to bring back either Andrews or um, Illuminor. So, I mean, I, I don't think the losses on the offensive line are going to be quite that crippling. So I'm going to go ahead and have them grab Ojulari at linebacker at 15. 
That is also going to prompt the Arizona Cardinals at number 16 to address their biggest need from last season, which was also the run defense. Now, despite the fact that the Cardinals may be losing Larry Fitzgerald, although we've been saying that for a few years, may be losing Kenyon Drake, we know for a fact, the only player that we know for a fact is out the door in Arizona is Hassan Reddick. Hassan Reddick is not coming back to this team. That is a big hole at the linebacker position. So I am having the Arizona Cardinals reach here. This is definitely a reach, but this player is one that has been rocketing up my board since I first started paying attention to this year's draft class. And on everybody else's mock, he seems to be inching higher and higher and higher as well. I have the Arizona Cardinals at 16, grabbing linebacker Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa from Notre Dame. He is a decent-sized linebacker. I think he's one of the most versatile linebackers in this class. 6'1", 215, a senior from Notre Dame. Plenty of experience at the collegiate level. I think he fits into Arizona's scheme well. I think he helps them improve that run defense. And that could be enough to get Arizona over the hump and get them into a playoff spot. Just stop the run a little bit more, and you're going to put that defense, that pass defense, which was very good this past year, you're going to put them in more advantageous situations to succeed. Arizona grabs a Wuzu Koromoa at 16. Raiders are up next at 17, having already traded right tackle Trent Brown out of town, potentially losing Devontae Booker at running back. I mean, he's a backup, but still potentially losing Nelson Aguilar and probably losing Tack McKinley. Any loss for this Raiders defense is bad news. They need to add on the defensive side. It is their Achilles heel. They can score plenty of points, but unless they're going to score 40 like they did in that miracle win against the Chiefs, they're not going to win a ton of games. This is about pressure. This is about Raider football. I think the Raiders at 17 grab edge rusher Jason Away from Penn State. Owe, 6'5", 253, a sophomore edge rusher from Penn State. This is all, once again, about Raider football. It's all about pressure. It's all about improving the defense and all three phases. And the best way to do that is to increase pressure on the guy on the other team who has his hands on the football every single play, which is the quarterback. So let's have them grab the edge rusher and see what they can do. Dolphins are back on the clock here at number 18, and having addressed the offense in their first pick, it only made sense to take a stab at addressing the defense, and once again, we talked about Miami's biggest defensive shortcoming last year did come against the pass at number 23 overall. We're going to have them address that by drafting cornerback Patrick Sertain II from Alabama. Certain the second big wingspan, 6'2", 202, a junior corner from Alabama. I think, once again, kind of like Owe, he fits into his team's scheme very well. He's a talented player that instantly addresses the biggest area of need on his defense from the previous season. So look, Patrick Sertain feels like a solid pick there for Miami at 18. Number 19 is the Washington football team and Washington's biggest Achilles heel from last year. Every single person I think would say was the pass offense. Well, just the offense in general, I guess. But look, you got a guy in Antonio Gibson who we know can run the football. So it's just a matter with him of getting more reps. Now it's a matter of addressing the pass offense. And look, Taylor Heineke, you talk about him as the guy who's going to get the first opportunity this year. That doesn't mean he's your guy of the future. No, in fact, I think the guy of the future in Washington is Mac Jones, quarterback from Alabama. And I've got Washington in this mock grabbing Mac Jones at number 19. Mac Jones, 6'3", 214, a junior from Alabama, had a big season, talented player. A lot of people have looked at Mac Jones like he might be more talented than a Justin Fields, more talented maybe even than a Zach Wilson. So for Washington to be able to get that guy in the back half of the first round has to feel like a steal for them. I don't think they pass it up, and they certainly don't in this mock. Washington grabs Mac Jones at 19. Chicago's up here at number 20, and this was an interesting pick for me because I really felt like I wanted to go on the offensive line. 
because Chicago's big Achilles heel offensively last year, the offense wasn't great one way or the other, but it was running the football. Like I, I've had a lot of things to say about Chicago and their running back. And I don't think David Montgomery is as bad as I've made him out to seem. And I don't think David Montgomery is as good as Brad Evans has uh, made him out to be. But that being said, he's going to have every opportunity to be the star number one running back that a lot of people think he has the capacity to be in Chicago. So I don't think I'm going to go on the offensive side here. I look at all the losses that the Chicago team is going to suffer on the defensive side. Plus, they've got absolutely no money to try to prevent any of them. Like John Jenkins, Roy Robertson-Harris, Mario Edwards, Tashawn Gibson, Dion Bush. They're probably all gone. I don't see how Chicago resigns any of those guys. We're definitely drafting for need here. Even though the defense was the strength of this Chicago team last year, looking at all the potential losses, we got to refill something here. So it's going to be D-lineman J. Jalen Phillips from Miami of Florida going to Chicago at number 20. Jalen Phillips, 6'5", 266, big guy, a junior out of Miami of Florida. Again, this is simply about drafting for need considering all the losses that the Bears are likely to suffer on the defensive side. Phillips goes to Chicago at 20. Indianapolis Colts are up next at 21. Their losses, or potential losses anyway, look to be relatively minor, and they've got some money, so they should be able to re-sign, cherry-pick, and re-sign the one or two players from their potential losses that they really want moving forward. This is a Colts team that I think is closer to a championship threat than a lot of people are giving them credit for. Now, of course, they brought in Carson Wentz, and I think the emphasis here, if you going to bring in Carson Wentz is going to be insulating Carson Wentz, protecting Carson Wentz. You already have a lot of good young weapons at wide receiver for Carson Wentz to play with. You have an all-world sophomore running back in Jonathan Taylor. Let's make those pieces better by grabbing an offensive lineman. Let's grab the best one still available. And in my opinion, that is offensive tackle Elijah Vera Tucker out of USC. 64315, a USC junior. I just this just strikes me as an Indianapolis Colts pick. This just feels like an Indianapolis Colt. And I think the the, the shock waves of bringing him in on that offensive line, and I believe he would be a replacement for Anthony Costanzo, maybe, who may be on the way out. In any case, I think that's just going to make that team better, going to make Carson Wentz feel more comfortable in the pocket behind a very good offensive line. Maybe he can, you know, in some cases, or in the opinions of some, learn how to play football again. Elijah Vera Tucker, offensive lineman, goes to Indy at 21. The Tennessee Titans have to be considered nothing short of one of the most uh, frustrating and uh, biggest missed opportunities of the NFL last year, and it was entirely based on the defense. They could not stop anybody defensively, and certainly throwing the ball. That secondary was one of the worst secondaries I've ever seen. And then you take a look, and you're probably losing Jadevian Clowney, you're probably losing Jayon Brown, you could potentially be losing Daquan Jones, all in your front seven. Pressure is going to be potentially even less, which is going to put an even larger emphasis on the secondary to make plays let's attack Tennessee's secondary let's bring in the best player available at that position in that position group and as far as I'm concerned that is safety Trayvon Morig from TCU Maybe a little bit of a stretch here, but I, I mean, I certainly don't consider it to be. 62202 is Trayvon Morig, a junior from TCU. Probably the best safety, the best pure safety available in this draft. And I think he is going to play a big role in improving that Titans secondary and even coming up and improving the run defense a little bit too. The more you can improve the your ability to stop the run, the better your team is going to be. Trayvon Morig goes number 22 to Tennessee. 
New York Jets are back on the clock now at number 23 and sort of the same deal with Miami. We approached the offense in the first pick and we took care of the offense. Now let's take care of the defensive side of the football. The New York Jets, again, we didn't really look at them crazy closely. They were good at stopping the run last year, abysmal at stopping the pass. They're probably going to lose one of either Jordan Jenkins at linebacker or Brian Poole in the secondary let's have them replace brian Poole in the secondary with cornerback tyson campbell out of georgia tyson campbell a lanky defensive back at 6'2 185 pounds a junior out of georgia i think he's exactly the type of defender that this jets team needs to turn the corner on their pass defense i think he's the best db left available in the first round the back half of this first round jets take tyson campbell 23rd. Pittsburgh Steelers are up next at pick number 24. And while, of course, a ton of attention is on Juju Smith Schuster and James Conner for a team with not a lot of cap space to play with, even though Ben Roethlisberger did the team a solid by clearing up a bunch of space. I mean, it's well, it seems likely at this point that Juju is not returning to Pittsburgh. James Conner, kind of a coin flip. But when I really look at this team, they're probably about to lose not only their starting left tackle, but their backup left tackle. Alejandro Villanueva and Gerald Hawkins. They've already lost uh, Pouncey at center. He retired. There are big holes in this offensive line that I think at number 24, the Steelers can start filling. I think they're going to grab offensive lineman Tevin Jenkins from Oklahoma State at number 24. Jenkins is a massive presence at 6'6", 320, a senior from Oklahoma State, very experienced, should be able to step right in and start in year one for a Pittsburgh Steelers team who, like I said, losing a number of players on the offensive line. And I think, look, if you think Ben Roethlisberger is your guy, give him some time to make some plays. That's why I think this is the smart pick. Tevin Jenkins goes to Pittsburgh at 24. Jacksonville back on the clock here at 25. Again, the first overall pick, there was no thought to be put into it. And really, Chris Conley at wide receiver seems to be the only player of significance that the Jags are likely to lose in free agency. Now's an opportunity to take a look at that absolutely atrocious defense that they have. Bad across the board. Couldn't stop the pass. Couldn't stop the run. They need to grab the best defensive player still available in this draft. As far as I'm concerned, that is linebacker Zaven Collins out of Tulsa going number 25 to Jacksonville. And this is a player that a lot of mock drafts have going to the Green Bay Packers at number 29. But I think he is an excellent fit here in Jacksonville. 6'4", 260, a junior linebacker from Tulsa. He can play in the secondary. He can come up and stop the run. He can command that linebacking core. I think Zaven Collins is going to be a very, very good professional. I think this is potentially a steal for the Jags at 25. They grab Collins from Tulsa. Cleveland Browns are up next and probably most of their losses are going to come on the defensive side of the ball in terms of their free agency losses. Olivier Vernon could be out the door, Malcolm Smith, Terrence Mitchell. There are defensive players that are not likely to be returning to a Cleveland team that while they were, you know, all right at stopping the run, actually they were top 10 stopping the run, the secondary was not good. Number 22 overall last year, they struggled against the pass. Let's try to fix that, addressing that with their first round pick. I've got the Browns selecting cornerback J.C. Horn from South Carolina, and I really thought about having Horn go 23 to the Jets. Tyson Campbell just beat him out, but this is an excellent pick for the Browns. J.C. Horn has some size to him, 6'1", a junior cornerback from South Carolina. I think he can step in probably, I don't know that he necessarily starts in year one, but he certainly plays significant reps in year one. He definitely improves that Cleveland secondary. And if this Browns team can figure out how to play defense across the board, look out. This is a team that could potentially win that AFC North division. Cleveland grabs J.C. Horn at 26. Just six picks left to go. And speaking of the AFC North, now we have the Baltimore Ravens at number 27. 
Baltimore's dominant defense from 2020 may look a little bit different with potential names like Derek Wolf, Yannick Ngakwe, and Tyus Bowser potentially not returning to the team. But look, this Baltimore team, they were the worst pass offense in football last year. You can't fix that with the quarterback. I don't think from here, I don't think you fix it with the offensive line. I think you got to fix it with weapons. I think you got to get another weapon in that offense and I think that's the way Baltimore is going to go at this position I think they're going to grab wide receiver Kadarius Tony from Florida and this is going to make some people absolutely lose their minds because Rashad Bateman is still on the board the reason I'm leaning Kadarius Tony in this direct comparison between him and Bateman is the nose for the end zone. Maybe it had a lot to do with the team they had in Florida versus the team they had in Minnesota for Bateman, but Kadarius Tony had 10 touchdowns in 11 games last year. Nose for the end zone, nose for points on the board, and the Baltimore Ravens, this is the area that they struggled with the most. They have an incredibly talented quarterback. Like He needs to be more, but he also needs more around him so we're going to grab a guy that had a ton of success finding the end zone last year Kadarius Tony goes to Baltimore at 27 that is to the great fortune of the New Orleans Saints right behind Baltimore at number 28 we don't know what's going to happen with Drew Brees but what we do know is that the New Orleans Saints have been absolutely clearing house so far this offseason. Emmanuel Sanders is a big one out the door. Jared Cook is also likely gone. They do have some losses on defense, but this was a dominant defense for the Saints last year. Top five across the board statistically. So I'm going to stay on the offensive side and that great weapon there in Rashad Bateman, wide receiver out of Minnesota, too good for the Saints to pass up. Bateman does have the size advantage as well on Kadarius Tony, 6'2", 210, the junior from Minnesota. Look, New Orleans is going to make out very well with this pick. Baltimore is going to make out very well with their pick as well. I just had Kadarius Tony just that much higher than Rashad Bateman in my personal rankings. So there you go. The Saints get Bateman at 28. My Green Bay Packers are up next at pick number 29, having already parted ways with a couple of players in this offseason, probably headlined by Rick Wagner at right tackle. They've also got like a number of people that still need to be signed, and they've got virtually no cap space to do it. They're still going to have to do some cap gymnastics just to get under this $182.5 million cap. Like Lane Taylor, Corey Lindsley, arguably the best center in football, may be seeing the door. Mercedes Lewis, Aaron Jones. My God, I've talked about how much I love Aaron Jones over the last couple of years. My God, before anybody else was talking about how much they loved Aaron Jones. I had a hard time with this pick, not only because I'm not fully detached from it, because of course it's my team, but it, in terms of what is best for this football team. And the one thing that I can say is between defending the pass and defending the run, once again, it was the run defense that struggled comparatively last year. I think the best way to approach that is by grabbing an edge rusher, by grabbing pressure, by improving the defense across the board and making it more difficult to run on you, more difficult with less time to throw the ball on you. The Packers have an opportunity here to grab a player that I think is being underrated in a lot of people's rankings. That is edge rusher Gregory Rousseau from Miami of Florida. Russo is one of the largest players in this draft class. Six foot seven, 265, sophomore edge rusher, big athletic guy. I think this is a guy that could potentially be a game changer. And once again, you win football games at the line of scrimmage, whether it's on the pass rush or stopping the pass rush. That is where you win football games in the NFL. I think Green Bay doubles down, tries to improve their defense that much more in the absence of the ability to grab a guy like Rashad Bateman, who probably in a scenario like this goes right in front of you like it did in this mock. Gregory Rousseau, number 29 to Green Bay. The 30th pick is held by the Buffalo Bills, who have already parted ways in this offseason with wide receiver John Brown. Hope he lands somewhere. He's an incredibly talented player. 
Now, they may potentially also lose Ty Naseki, who is one of their tackles, can play either side, which would be a significant loss for them. But aside from that, their other losses come on the defensive side. Trent Murphy at defensive end and potentially Josh Norman in the secondary. I think Buffalo's got the money if they want to, to approach one of those two players to bring them back. They did struggle to run the football last year, but this team is not predicated on running the football. The team is predicated on Josh Allen running around, making plays, showing off that cannon of an arm. They're not really predicated on running the ball. So I did definitely think, for a little bit at least, about going offensive tackle here. But instead, we're going to try to address the defense and address Buffalo's bigger uh, weakness on the team. We're going to go on the defensive line, and I'm going to go Christian Barmore, defensive lineman from Alabama. Again, very big guy, 6'5", 310, sophomore from Alabama, big run stuffer, somebody that can clog up the middle, make it very difficult to run on this Buffalo Bills team, make you have to throw on them, let the secondary go to work. So I think if you bring back Josh Norman and focus on grabbing a guy like Christian Barmore in the draft, you're building a more complete defense. And Buffalo's very close here. Buffalo has got to be moving towards that go-for-it mode. I think Christian Barmore moves the dial for them and gets them closer. You've stuck with me this long. We've made it to the Super Bowl combatant teams. The number 31 pick belonging to the Kansas City Chiefs, who obviously have had a very, very... Uh, very interesting offseason so far. Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz, two starting tackles. They have been shown the door. Sammy Watkins might be gone. That's a big potential weapon that may be gone. A couple of potential losses on the defensive side as well. This was very much a best player available situation for the Chiefs. But what we saw in that Super Bowl was we saw an inability to protect Patrick Mahomes and how that is the Achilles heel of this Kansas City Chiefs team. Therefore, the way I'm going here is I'm going to replace one of those outgoing offensive linemen with the Chiefs drafting offensive lineman Jalen Mayfield from Michigan. Mayfield, probably a borderline top five offensive line prospect in this draft class. 6'5", 320, a junior from Michigan. I just think he improves that team. I mean, obviously with the, with the catastrophic losses so far on the offensive line for this Chiefs team, you got to try to draft your way out of it. So I think Jalen Mayfield is a good fit here. I think he walks right in, probably starts in year one. And I mean, what better quarterback to try to block for? than Patrick Mahomes. And the final pick of this first round mock goes to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I've got them going on the defensive side of the ball. And uh, look, I think their losses are probably not going to be as big as some people expect them to be. They have got an absolute salary cap magician down there that's going to figure out how to get Gronk signed, going to figure out how to get Shaq Barrett signed, might even figure out how to get Leonard Fournette signed to try to run it back for another championship. But I've got them going on the defensive side. They did struggle last year to stop the pass. Um, they were great against the run, but they did struggle a little bit to stop the pass. I'm going to grab a front seven guy that I think is going to be able to contribute both defending the run and defending the pass. Just try to make that team more dangerous on the defensive side. We're going to grab linebacker Joseph Osai from Texas. Joseph Osai, 6'4", 253, very athletic linebacker, junior from Texas. I think you can put him all around the front seven. He can rush the passer. He can drop back into coverage. I think Osai perfectly fits the bill for what the Tampa Bay Bucks are good at already on defense and are trying to be better at. I think he's an excellent choice to round out the first round. There you have it, folks. There is my mock draft 1.0 for the 2021 NFL Entry Draft. Once again, top 10 goes Lawrence, Wilson, Chase, Sewell, Pitts, Smith, Pay, Fields, Parsons, and Farley. And again, no trades in this mock draft at all. Everybody drafting where they are currently set to draft. What do you think of this mock? What would you do differently? 
Wow, did you think I absolutely blew it for a potential team? I got to tell you, my mock draft last year garnered a lot of conversation. Not a ton of it positive for the way that I did it, but I do have to pat my back and say I was saying that the Packers were going to take Jordan Love before almost anybody else was and wouldn't you know who won the pony. So I'm interested to hear your feedback this year. That's it for me. Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter, fueled as always by the incredible folks at Nerd Tees, and keep your eyes peeled for the next mock draft, which will incorporate some trades.